Coming up this evening on NTD Business. President Biden tells Americans that fighting inflation is his top domestic priority. Families are facing the worst inflation in 40 years. Are things looking up for home buyers? Realtor.com says more homes could soon hit the market. As small business confidence struggles to pick itself off the floor, we visit a decades-old pub in New York City to see how they're doing. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Paul Graney here, live from New York City. Weary home buyers rejoice, maybe. If you're having trouble buying a home, we could start seeing more inventory on the market soon, according to Realtor.com. In April, inventory was down 12% compared to April of last year, but that's the smallest decline since the end of 2019. In fact, the last week of April, inventory was down only 3%, so if the trend continues, Realtor.com says we may be seeing inventory growth in just a few weeks. But home prices are still high. There have rarely been so few houses in the market, while demand has been this high. It's especially the case in Florida, which has topped the nation in terms of price and rent increases. Floridians are now being forced to move out of their homes, with the average rent in Miami up 58% over the past two years. In today's fake quarter, there's more. Rental prices have gone up almost 20% over two years, and Florida is seeing most of the largest price surges. Miami, the steepest of all, a 58% rise over the past two years. Tampa, 45.8%. Orlando, 34.7%. And Jacksonville, 29.2%. Floridians are being priced out of their own homes. Peter Gray is the president of Pyramid Real Estate Group. Gray says he sees this happening more and more. You can only build so much at some point. You know, materials have gone up, prices have gone up, in areas that grow faster. Other reasons include the end of the rent moratorium. Landlords are now making up for lost rent, as well as an influx from other places. So I was changing the career and I decided to change them uh, where I was going to live. Kenny Polcari is a managing partner at Case Capital Advisors. Polcari left Manhattan for Florida before COVID hit and currently still resides there. He initially rented an apartment at West Palm Beach for $5,000. And we just moved out and the, the woman who owns the apartment after we moved out raised the rent by uh, 70%. 70%. More and more finance and tech professionals are coming to Florida because of lower taxes and a more business-friendly environment, says the Wall Street Journal. These people are high earners who brush aside these high rent prices. Bay Quarter, NTD News. So from rent to gas to the grocery store, Americans are facing the worst inflation in 40 years. The president spoke from the White House today, reassuring Americans he understands what they're grappling with and is working to solve the problem. Here's the president. I know the families all across America are hurting because of inflation. I want every American to know that I'm taking inflation uh, very seriously, and it's my top domestic priority. Biden blamed the COVID-19 pandemic and Russia's war in Ukraine for the troubled economy. He said the Federal Reserve is doing its job to tame inflation, and he's also looking at cutting tariffs on China to lower prices. He also blasted Republicans, saying their policies will make the problems worse. Meanwhile, Republicans blame Biden for the inflation spike. They took an economy that was ready to soar, turned it around, 
and drove it into the ground. American families are being crushed by 8.5% inflation. Democrats' policies have unleashed the worst inflation in more than 40 years. Many blame the massive government and central bank spending during the pandemic for inflation. Last week, the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen also conceded that President Biden's American Rescue Plan did in fact contribute to inflation. But it's not just the government that's been spending. The American people have never been more in debt. Money owed by U.S. households has skyrocketed during the pandemic. It's mainly down to the nation's housing binge, which, as we said, has pushed home prices to extraordinary heights. But that's not all we're charging. New data from the Federal Reserve shows $15 trillion in outstanding debt, a new record. Credit card balances are $71 billion higher than this time last year. Student loan debt is up $14 billion, a significant 6.5% increase on last year. Possibly because many people didn't have to make repayments last year or this year, in fact. On the mortgage side, I hope you're sitting down. Americans have taken out over $8 trillion in new home loans since the pandemic began. And the kicker to all this is that interest rates are now rising, so interest repayments on part of all this debt will also start rising. That'll leave you with fewer dollars to spend on the economy with less gas in the tank. Uh, Jim Urio is with us live, Managing Director of TJM Institutional Services. Jim, great to see you. Thank you, Paul. Jim, you seem like a responsible spender, but are you worried at all about rising interest rates? Um, of course, but I'm worried about a more of a macro, um, a, a macro angle. I, I think it's really, it's a difficult time right now. Inflation is very, very high, but I, I will add a couple things. Uh, I think if you look at the um, April 22nd, tips break even, the five-year, made a new high, and then it started lower. That happened to be right around the time that uh, Jay Powell made the speech where he invoked the name of Paul Volcker. He also said that 75 basis points was not off the table. Now, he's walked that back a bit, um, and I think he's going 50-50 at the next meetings. But at that meeting, I think the market um, believed him and believed in his resolve to tackle inflation. I think inflation has probably peaked. I'm not sure we're going to see that in tomorrow's CPI numbers quite yet, but I think inflation peaked and it started lower. Now, as we always keep saying this for like a year, as these supply chain issues start to resolve themselves, that could push inflation in the proper direction for us as well. But again, they seem to be ramping up in China, so I'm very confused as to when that's going to happen. But am I concerned about um, higher interest rates? I thought we should have had higher interest rates a year ago. The notion that they were manually compressing mortgage rates a year ago into the teeth of a wildly hot real estate market was just the height of irresponsibility. I mean, we can argue a lot of things about, you know, every time I bring up the fact that they should have moved a year ago, people like, well, Omicron and Delta, whatever. We did know that the housing market was on fire a year ago, and they kept buying $40 billion in mortgage backs per year. So the irresponsibility is amazing. I've been ranting now for close to four minutes, and I forgot what your original question was, but I hope somewhere in there I answered it. Well, let me bring you back to the, the what you first mentioned, Jim, on the inflation. So I asked a, a manufacturer, American manufacturer, he sits on the board of the National Association of Manufacturers. If we do indeed see a recession, will we at least see prices falling? She said, probably not. Prices, Ooh. input costs for them are just too high. Wow, that's wild. And, you know, I own a restaurant, too, Brant's Palatine, Palatine in Illinois. And we are in, in input costs have gone up approximately 25 percent 
in the last year and a half, including labor costs, which we've had to uh, bring up on our own volition because we couldn't find employees for certain positions, plus they've raised minimum wages twice. So, so that in the restaurant industry, which is a huge part of our um, of the equation in our economy, that those pressures are not subsiding. And again, maybe when I said I think that the, the rate of inflation has peaked, and again, I'm not talking about prices going back down. A lot of people get confused on that concept. I just mean increasing at 8.5% hopefully is the high, although that really wasn't the high. That was the CPI high, which is designed to underestimate inflation in my view. Do you feel, Jim, looking at it, because I asked this same um, director at the National Association of Manufacturers, you know, where does she see the root cause? And, and what I really feel is we've increased the money supply so much. Like you said, it's not like prices are going to come back down. Are we just like shaking out the economy to see where all this new money is going to settle before we reach this kind of new monetary base, for want a technical word? Yeah. That's that's interesting because I just with one of my partners I own some real estate with we were talking about prime real estate that we own, and it's gone up you know probably sixty or seventy percent in the last year. This is property in Colorado, and I was trying to explain, and I hope I'm right, that part of that a large part of that increase when you increase the money supply by forty percent in two years time and two money supply that everything you expect to readjust and that new price doesn't reflect the new price of the home but rather the weakness in the dollar that confuses some people because people look at the dollar and say well look it's rallying in the dollar next no it's not rallying it's rallying against those other currencies that happen to be doing the exact same thing the dollar's not rallying against things you need to buy so anyway point is that part of that rise is uh, is just due to the devaluing of the dollar against real estate but another part of it as money is going into the system it starts to pick its favorites and its least favorite and real estate was certainly the favorite that it picked so is there froth in the real estate market absolutely do i think uh, prices could come down 10 percent absolutely again do i think they could fall 40 to 50 percent like they did in 0708 no because back then we saw leverage built up not just remember that 18 to 20 percent of the homes being bought over the last two years from corporate investment interests. They're not mom and pops buying five houses and hoping they're gonna flip them and sell them for more in six months. I don't see that type of leverage. It's just not the net amount of leverage that's important, but the weak hands or the strength of the hands that hold it. And I don't see that happening right now, but I think mm -hmm. um, real estate's gonna be an interesting market. Well, I think for next conversation, Jim, I'm just wondering about the, these institutional spenders. If they've bought all these at highly elevated prices and then the economy starts to, to tank or go down and people have trouble paying the rents, that's the next thing. But for another day, Jim Yuru is always TGM Institutional Services. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Paul. And many adults may not be in a hurry to return to office environments, but a high number of teens are returning to the workforce. Anthony Sean Marshall has more. Teens are filling in the worker shortage gaps. So many teens that it's making it hard for some of them to find jobs. Unemployment for 16 to 19 year olds is back to pre-pandemic numbers. I found some young workers to talk about what's going on. So I've been struggling to get a job because a lot of people don't want to call younger people back in for jobs. Because I feel like everybody now wants a bachelor's degree at very least work simple jobs. Hannah didn't have trouble finding a job in California, but she and her friends have had trouble finding jobs in New York City. All, everyone that I know wants a job if they don't have one. I think people, people want to be financially stable and people want to be independent from their parents, which I think is super cool. Ariana's looking for more than money at her job. But I am trying to get experience for now, so I'm trying to build off of that so I can get 
better opportunities. I spoke with HR Director Tiffany Martinez on how to excel past the typical entry-level job 16 to 19-year-olds usually work. If you were to go and volunteer at your local church answering phones, you now have a receptionist skill that you can actually apply for receptionist jobs. Um, if you work with the children in a kids vacation Bible school setting, you now have childcare skills that you can actually put in a resume. We talked about her experience with her own 18 year old daughter. I was able to get her into programs at church to get her to develop some social skills uh, to be able to work with all different ages, children, and even um, elderly retired individuals. Some other tips Martinez gave were to get your kid out into the real world for needed exposure with real people for much needed success advantages. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And after three months of declines, small business confidence is still flat, according to the National Federation of Independent Businesses. Almost a third of them say inflation was their biggest problem. And they're still struggling to find workers. Nearly half of them have open positions just waiting to be filled. Worker shortages are especially serious in construction, manufacturing, and retail. But one piece of good news for consumers, a slightly smaller share of business owners say they'll be raising prices as compared to the record high in March. Today I visited the Molly Wee pub right next to Madison Square Garden, Manhattan. Asked the owner, Angela Riley, if she's still struggling with inflation. Yes, it's probably getting worse because everything's getting higher and higher. You know, all the gas is so expensive now, everything's going through the roof. So it's probably getting worse, especially in this time of year. How about you know, the food prices? The food prices, all the food prices have gone up, everything. You know, liquor prices gone up, beer prices gone up. Yeah. So, and we still, sometimes we can't even get what we're looking for. You know, a lot of things are not available. You've been in the business for a long time, a number of decades. Was yeah. there any, any, ever any moment during the pandemic you felt that maybe things wouldn't work out? Yeah, of course you're always skeptical. You don't know because we didn't know from day to day what was going to happen next, you know. So, but uh, lucky enough, we have been fit to survive. A lot of places haven't. A lot of places closed down. But I'm just lucky that I was able to stay afloat. So I hope I can continue. Have you seen other businesses that you've kind of grown along with in New York City, staple businesses that haven't been able to make it through? Oh, yeah, lots of them. Yeah, because my husband used to be involved in a, a lot of bars before he passed away, and most of those, except with the exception of one or two, is gone. You know, so I know a lot of them, but a lot of places around as well. They just keep can't keep going with the inflation and with the rents and, you know, everything has gone through the roof. I'm lucky here because I own the building. So, and that's probably why I was fit to survive. So, other than that. You think for these other businesses, it's purely the rising cost that's the most difficult thing for them to handle? Yeah, that and, that and staff. Like, I know one guy from 7th Avenue, that he closed his premises because he couldn't get staff. So, yeah, probably, in, you know, the inflation as well didn't help matters. But that was his, the Empire, already he couldn't get staff. So that's what we're up against. But that's all over. It's everywhere. From what I can gather, and I don't know why people don't want to work. I mean, I can't understand why anybody would want to stay home. But I guess I'm a different generation.
At the beginning of the pandemic, lots of people were paid to stay home or given different, you know, subsidies. You think this was the... Yeah, at the beginning. But, I mean, that money has is not as big as what it was anyway. I'm sure they still get some money, but I'm sure most of it has dried up. So I don't know where they're getting their money from unless parents are keeping their young ones. I don't know. So, but I don't want to work anyway. We see there's talk about recession. You, when the people do come here, do you feel they're spending less or they're more thrifty? Uh, yeah, I would say people are watching the money, especially if they are worried now about a recession, you know. Um, yeah, we deal you know, with the events in the garden, they come for the events in the garden. So it's a little bit harder to, you know, but in regular times, yeah, people are not spending as much. Well, you see the business here, what's here? Usually, we used to be busy for lunch. There's nobody in the city. So I don't even need a waitress during lunchtime anymore. Well, I mean, it does both. Yeah, so change times. Evening time's better, but, you know, daytime is very slow. Do you feel, is there anything with regards to policy in New York City that could be done to help? Well, I don't know what's supposed to course New York City with all the crime and everything else not helping matters either. But I don't know how they're going to combat that. I guess they are trying. So uh, I don't know. I mean, how can they get inflation down at the minute? That's a hard task. So I really don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a tough road. It's going to be a tough road ahead, I think. So but hopefully we'll survive for another while. Angela Riley, appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. And on Wall Street, markets closed mixed today. The S&P and the Nasdaq ended in the green, but the Dow fell 85 points, three-tenths of a percent. S&P 500 rose 10 points, also three-tenths of a percent, and the Nasdaq gained 114, or about 1% today. And a man survived five years in Chinese prisons. Now he's talking about his experience inside. He was sentenced to forced labor. He had to make shoes, purses, and backpacks. And today's Don Ma the details. A person subject to forced labor in a Chinese prison speaks of his first-hand experience after being released last Friday. So the factory at Qishan Prison mainly makes gloves, shoes, purses, and backpacks. That's everyone's main work. The reason why I say it's a sweatshop is because its work regulations are in violation of the prison law and labor laws of its own country. Li Mingchi is a rights advocate from Taiwan. He was arrested by Chinese authorities in 2017 after entering mainland China. He says the living conditions in prison were far from ideal. During winter in the prison, there was no warm water to shower with. Even at minus 2 to 3 degrees Celsius, they make us shower with freezing cold water. Slowly, the prison fixed it and gave us warm water. The food they serve us often smells rotten. One possible reason why he was arrested is that while in Taiwan, he would send and disseminate books into China that were critical of the Chinese Communist Party. After his arrest, a Chinese court sentenced Li to five years in prison. He was charged with what the Chinese regime calls subverting state power. He says while in prison, he was forced to work long hours with little rest. China's prison law actually states that the working hours allowed for prisoners 
are similar to those defined by the labor law, China's labor law, eight working hours per day, not more than nine hours per day. But as I just said, we have to work 11 to 12 hours each day, often without days off and being requested to work overtime on holidays. Fred Rockefeller is an attorney for Harris Bricken. He has had personal exposure to forced labor as part of investigations while working with clients in China. Forced labor in China has gotten international attention in recent years, including from the U.S. But Rockefeller says that the United States may actually be buying Chinese forced labor products. It is, it is, it is impossible for the authorities uh, here in the United States to, to effectively exclude all of the products that uh, ha have been made using forced labor. So I think as, as troubling as, as this is, uh, I think we can, we can say with a, with a very high degree of certainty that at this moment um, in the U.S. marketplace, there are uh, a lot of products that were made using forced labor uh, available for sale. Rockefeller says it's reasonable to assume that there is correlation between Chinese forced labor and why made-in-China products are cheap. Don Ma, NTD News. Still to come, stay with us. The IRS paid billions of dollars in interest last year because they were late sending refunds to taxpayers. In fact, it still has nearly 10 million refunds to process. Following safety concerns over wildfires, several western regions are moving toward drone displays as opposed to traditional fireworks. That and more coming up on NTD Business. back. The IRS paid taxpayers $3.3 billion in interest last year because it's behind on processing tax returns. They're paying Americans 4% interest on those delayed refunds, though. The government shutdown in 2019 and the pandemic have contributed to the backlog of tax returns. And as of April 29th, the IRS had 9.6 million returns left to process. IRS has paid $14 billion in interest over the last seven years. And this year, some communities will use drones instead of fireworks to create a celebratory display. It's come Independence Day. It's a trend gaining momentum due to safety concerns, especially concerning wildfires. Hit the details. When the Caldor fire raced toward the southern shore of Lake Tahoe last year, its 100-foot flames spread across the tree canopy. It has prompted the region to consider safer alternatives to the traditional firework displays. Incline Village and the neighboring California towns of Kings Beach and Tahoe City switched to drones after the devastating fire. People have figured out that it is, you know, a very fire-friendly, safe, um, version of uh, celebrating the 4th of July and other celebrations. The fire burned for 69 days, scorched over 200,000 acres, and forcing the evacuation of 50,000 people. Some towns now completely reject fireworks as a wildfire risk. 
so we, we looked at the safety issues uh, around uh, fireworks. You know, I, I kind of look at the concept of lighting, lighting, you know, throwing lit objects up into the sky. And is that the best thing to do at the height of the fire season? So there's a safety issue. Chapman added, there's also an environmental and sustainability factor. Some of the debris that does happen that lands in the water that we have cleaned up every time we've done these in the past. But there are some environmental issues with the debris that does get into the water and that lake is our drinking water. A typical drone show has dozens or hundreds of tiny lit flying machines choreographed to music, forming improbable and multicolored designs. Julie Heckman, executive director of the American Pyrotechnics Association, says drones are not yet considered a serious threat to fireworks displays. When you think of traditional fireworks, it's a multi-sensory experience. You know, we want to see them burst in the sky. We want to hear them. We want to feel that concussion in our chest. And if we're close enough, we might just smell the smoke. Where drones, you have a visual effect, but you don't get that multi-sensory experience. Despite amounting to a mere fraction of July 4th displays scheduled this year, around half a dozen drone companies in the close-knit industry are collaborating to help meet demand. They do look pretty cool. And after a charity auction, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's silver tea set now belongs to a family with a five-year-old daughter who once dressed as the late justice for Halloween. This blank black mink coat with Ginsburg name sewn in a pocket was sold for $16,000. Take a look at this drawing. It's done by one of Ginsburg's grandkids when he was still a little boy. With his grandmother is the Statue of Liberty and the words Bubby of Liberty above her. It sold for $12,000. All in all, 150 items owned by Ginsburg were auctioned off to raise money for Washington National Opera. It was one of her passions. They brought in more than $800,000 altogether. Ginsburg, of course, was the Supreme Court's second female justice. She became a legal cultural icon. She then died of cancer at age 87 in September of 2020. And a timeless treasure pulled from the ground gets a high-tech digital treatment. Here's a look at Take a Look at This. It sounds like a fairy tale come true, a pot of gold found frozen in time. No leprechauns, though. We are sure, right? No, no leprechauns? Oh, yeah, no leprechauns. The clay pot found in Switzerland was dated to the 4th century AD and was found filled to the brim with nearly 1,300 Roman coins. Unearthed by an amateur with a metal detector last fall, the fantasy-like find became fact-finding fodder for a team of archaeologists who used cutting-edge CT scanning technology to create a 3D rendering of the ancient treasure. This allowed them an intimate and detailed look without disturbing the fragile remains. What a find. That's the latest in the Entity Business team and myself, Paul Graney. Can still catch Entity Evening News. That's with Stephanie Cox at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Follow me on Twitter, too, if you're there. For Entity Business, it's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.